Thanks everyone for joining us today for our second annual Net Zero Carbon Summit. I'm Danny Gomez, Managing Director of Financial Emerging Markets at FreightWaves. I'm honored today to be hosting our keynote discussion. Um, we're joined today by Dan Lewis, CEO and founder of Convoy, a leader in sustainable transportation, and by Joy Tuffield, who is a partner at Generation Management, um, a firm that focuses on investing in sustainable solutions. Before we kick it off today, I would love for you guys both to introduce yourself and do so through a lens of sustainability. Dan, do you want to go first? Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Dan Lewis. I founded Convoy back in 2015 with my co-founder, Grant Goodale. And since then, you know, we have been focusing on improving the transportation industry and improving sustainability within the trucking industry specifically. And today, I'm really excited to talk about kind of the impact that we've been able to have and what we've been able to learn along the way and kind of the potential that we see in the use of technology to reduce waste, uh, both from a kind of driver energy perspective, as well as from a fuel and emissions perspective. Thanks, Dan. Joy, you want to go next? Yeah, super. Hi, everyone. I'm Joy Tuffield, uh, and I'm a partner at Generation. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Generation is a global investment firm, um, and we were founded around two decades ago now by a group of founders um, with a mission to really kind of prove the case that investing while thinking really deeply about sustainability issues will ultimately make you a better investor and drive kind of outsized returns. So we have around $40 billion of assets under management right now. We invest in private companies as well as public companies. And I focus exclusively on our growth equity investments. We kind of invest $50 million to $200 million in growth stage companies. Um, I have spent a lot of my time looking at the transportation ecosystem, both the transportation of goods as well as people. Um, and we have the absolute pleasure of being investors in Convoy, um, as well as some other companies, some of which you may have heard of, like Project 44 and 09 Solutions and GoGoRo and Patera. Um, that's us and me. Awesome. Thank you. Dan, um, you know, we've had the pleasure of talking before. Systemic change, emissions reductions in transportation in North America over the road market is incredibly hard. It feels daunting. Um, there's varying degrees of buy-in. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, bringing solutions to market? Because I think that's one of the things that is really key, right? You have to have this this product, we'll call it, right? Um, and to talk to your customers about that product and the value of the product. It feels like you guys might have been a little ahead of the curve. And so I'm curious to like, hear from you, what fueled the sustainability fire at Convoy? How have you been able or what are the challenges you've seen in trying to get your customers to see the value in those things? And then what are you guys doing practically to make those things easier for people to do? Yeah, thank you. I mean, there's a lot to that question. So I think the first thing is just to kind of... And the, the first thing that was helpful for us to get on the right path was to understand the problem. And you know, in the United States, each year, heavy trucks are running about 175 billion miles. And that generates about 252 million metric tons of CO2 emissions. So just first off, it's an incredible contributor to CO2 total emissions. And there's just a lot of miles being run by truck drivers. About 35% of those miles are empty. 
And beyond that, the trucks are not driving productively with something in the back more than 50% of the time. So there's an incredible cost that comes with empty miles and extra time sitting around letting the car burn fuel or the truck. In this case, that adds cost for our customers. And so one of the most direct ways to get customers to appreciate and understand the impact is to talk about the cost to their business. Not only is it a financial cost from the extra miles being driven and the additional fuel being burned, it's also a cost on the drivers. Trucking is not the most sustainable profession. It's a challenging profession for the drivers themselves, living on the road and spending a lot of time away from their families. If we can make that more efficient, we can help them be more productive and earn more per mile being driven, then they can also have a more sustainable career and the industry can be more sustainable and attract more drivers. And so one of the things we're trying to do is look at both of those. And our shippers care about both of those. We've now seen the world move forward a bit where the vast majority of Fortune 500 companies have a sustainability goal. And many of those also have programs that's on the environmental side and and the carbon reduction side. Many also have programs specifically designed to to make them shippers of choice, which means they want to be a location where truck drivers want to go. Because they know that if their facilities are not attractive to truck drivers, then they're going to spend more and they're going to be less desirable for the trucking community. So it'll be harder for them to get trucks. So I'd say we were a bit ahead of the curve. This was our kind of vision when we started the company seven years ago, and it wasn't as popular of a topic at that point. But over the years, kind of the, the, uh, the need for sustainable solutions driven through corporations has become more obvious. And I think more bought into by companies across the United States and many of our customers. And so now we're actually starting to see companies pull us in. One thing we also did is, you know, even before we, we knew exactly how to measure all of this, we set a goal for Convoy to reduce empty miles, to track and reduce empty miles. And it was really rough. And then over the years, we got better and better at measuring it. And now we have a pretty comprehensive sustainability report that we release every year. And we're also able to produce a sustainability report on a regular cadence for each of our customers. So they can understand the impact of their own miles being driven and their own work with truck drivers. And then the areas where we see them excelling relative to their peers and the areas where they can improve. And so I think, you know, there's a cost driver of this. There's a sustainability goals driver amongst many of these Fortune 500 companies. And then I've also found when you can show someone data, you can show someone how they're performing and also relative to others. It just generates a reaction where people want to step up. And do better. So the combination of those things has allowed us to, you know, have a bigger impact and now partner with more and more companies directly to drive an impact as well. Joy, you know, when I hear that, I, th- I think about um, there's this perception, right, that people who are doing sus- things with sustainable business practices have adopted those or are coming up with sustainable business solutions that they're not as profitable not as successful. Um, I'd be curious to know, you know, Dan talked about a lot of things I'm sure that stood out when you were um, looking to invest or you decided to invest. When you, when you look across, not even just at Convoy in our space, but just in general, um, how do sustainable solutions stack up to their traditional peers? Yeah, I mean, you're going to get a pretty biased response from me. Honestly. Um, but so just, just to kind of like level set for a second. Um, we have a fundamental belief here that the economy is going to go through a really large shift 
over the course of the next, I don't know how many years, could be decades, but it's going to kind of fundamentally transform. We call it the sustainability revolution. And we kind of like to say that it's going to have the kind of scale of the industrial revolution because it's going to seep into every kind of pocket of the economy, but also it's going to have the same speed as the technology revolution because we're living in a digital age now. And so things can proliferate kind of much more quickly. And so kind of sitting here with our investor hats on, we say, okay, there's going to be this really significant shift in the economy at some point. It's clear it's going to happen at some point. It's going to be massive. It's going to happen quickly. And so it's really important to us to kind of sit back and think about the implications of that to companies that we're ultimately end up investing in. We have a kind of particularly aggressive point of view, which is we want to invest in the companies on the right side of history that are actively driving that change because we think they're going to see really interesting growth as well as massively increase in strategic value to their customers because they're offering solutions that are needed as well as are going to be incredibly important in the kind of future. Um, but if you were to take even a kind of simplistic step back and say, we know that there's going to be this fracture in the economy and we are going to be really aware of the risks and opportunities associated with that kind of fracture taking place in the economy. And we're going to invest in companies who understand that that's going to happen or putting in place um, initiatives and strategies right now that will make sure that they're going to be on the right side and don't get kind of sideswiped away. And so that is really the kind of intent behind the kind of sustainability angle as investors. Um, that's kind of like a broad statement, kind of just, just to kind of state it. If you think about the kind of supply chain industry and kind of logistics kind of specifically, um, we know that a large portion of particularly shippers' carbon footprint sits within their supply chain. And so when they are making these large commitments to net zero or broader kind of sustainability commitments, you know that the boardroom and the management team is going to turn around to the chief uh, supply chain officer or the chief procurement officer and go fix it, essentially, because there is something drastic there's a drastic shift that needs to take place. And so we were always looking out for companies who were providing solutions today where the product was better, faster, cheaper, fundamentally a better value proposition, and at, and at the same time was doing all of that in a much more sustainable way and offering a solution that was helping to reduce the carbon footprint and the kind of sustainability footprint of supply chains. And Convoy really neatly kind of sit in that bucket where the solution that they're offering is not only equivalent from a kind of value proposition to other kind of providers out there, if not better, probably better, we would say, but also offering a solution immediately that helps reduce waste out of the system and reduce carbon emissions and essentially be a tool that people could use immediately that will help them on this kind of long path 
to decarbonizing their supply chains at large. That's interesting. I, you know, I want to touch on this a little bit later, but I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, there is some level of patience, right? Like, yes, there are immediate things that we're doing now, but there is an adoption factor um, that takes place. And I think we've been lucky that recent events have brought this to the surface and there seems to be urgency, obviously, you know, whether that's right now in most places it's social pressure or corporate pressure or capital investment pressure, but um, around the corner, maybe it's governmental in some places that's already happening. Um, you know, when I, when I think about, and I don't think I've heard like a really satisfying answer to this. I'm hoping that one of you guys can give it to me. So collaboration, the intersection of collaboration and competition, it's a very, and I was just reminded by this this morning on my Instagram feed popped up and all birds and Adidas collab on a sneaker, like two, two shoe companies coming together to create a sustainable shoe that has the carbon footprint like printed literally on the tongue of the shoe. Like that is wild, right? You know, when you guys think about your place um, in the market, how you lock arms with would-be competitors and maybe joy too, how you think about being a resource for the, for the companies that you invest in and how the, the lessons learned can be shared efficiently across the marketplace. Dan, what do you think? So I have a couple thoughts on that. The first one is that in, in supply chain and freight, there actually are a lot of opportunities for co-opetition or collaboration amongst companies that may be also competing. Um, because, you know, each of all the different, let's say, transportation providers have relative strengths and weaknesses. And so one thing we just launched recently, it's actually a big announcement for Convoy, was a program called Convoy for Brokers. And what this does is it allows other freight brokers and 3PLs or large truckload carriers that have a freight brokerage on the side, it allows them to be able to put their loads into the convoy network so that we can, together with more loads available in that network, stitch together more convenient jobs for truck drivers. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that we send a driver from Seattle to Sacramento, and they show up in Sacramento, and they're looking for a job to get back to Seattle. It may be that convoy in our own first party network with our own customers didn't have a job going back to Seattle. But if we open up our platform for others to put their loads into our platform as well, taking advantage of our technology, then those loads become available to all of these tens of thousands of drivers that are using the Convoy app. They can then maybe find a job that's really convenient to get back to Seattle through other brokers network. And together, we're actually able to reduce waste because that driver is able to find a more efficient job and doesn't have to drive back empty. That's one example. Um, another example I would say is, and this is something we're actually working on right now with about 10 different major shippers in the United States, is we're looking at all of their networks simultaneously and examining them and, and identifying opportunities for collaboration. Even different shippers that maybe would compete with each other in some ways. But we're looking at their supply chains. And we're saying, you know, where does one have freight going one way and another one have freight coming back the other way from a certain city or facility area or a region? And are there opportunities like that for us to generate these round trips and other um, empty mile reducing jobs? And so those are two examples of things that we're working on right now. The first one being a, a pretty big initiative we just launched to try to bring more freight into our digital marketplace, where we have one of the most advanced kind of machine learning systems for looking at all the factors, the appointment times, the type of equipment, the type of the load, you know, pickup destination, and stitching together these efficient runs where multiple jobs can go back to back. 
And to do that, you just need to have more visibility into more jobs that are digitized and then run through this, this system. And so that's actually a thing we're doing. And it's exactly what you said. I mean, it's our direct, many of our companies that we would compete with in some ways, we're also now collaborating with and helping them use and get access to this carrier network and this technology to reduce waste as well. What has the, what has the per, uh, reception been from those would be competitors? It's been really surprising, actually. I, I would be honest. I, I didn't know what it would be like. Um, and it's been really positive. We already have, I, we're not, we haven't shared numbers, you know, over 20 companies now using this. Um, and there are many, many more that we're talking to. We recently, we recently went to a big, uh, freight conference and, you know, the response was really positive. And I think what, what we found is that at first, sometimes they don't really, a, co- a competitor might wonder why we're doing this. Hey, how, you know, how, why would you do this? Why would you, uh, give us, you know, access to your technology and to your carrier network? And we talk about it from the lens of the carriers and we say, look, these truck drivers are trying to keep their trucks full. That's our priority. Convoy is the only major freight company, the only major trucking uh, company or brokerage in the country that works exclusively with mom and pop small trucking companies and owner operators. That is the entirety of our network. And so we have a really unique carrier network. And that carrier network doesn't have a huge sales and marketing team to go stitch together efficient loads for them. They rely on, on technology from Convoy to do that. And so when we explain it that way, they say, okay, I get it. Maybe my load will be really efficient. And if they put their load in our system and we're able to find them that round trip, that means that they're going to cover their load with one of the trucks in the convoy network at a much lower cost than they would have otherwise on their own. And then they'll accept that from us. You know, they don't, and they choose to use it because it's better. It's less waste and it's less cost. That's awesome. And so, you know, I think money talks and efficiency talks and uh, that's what we're driving. Joy, what have you seen in terms of being able to f- facilitate, I think, this learning and collaboration and maybe even partnerships across um, investments? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that uh, in one second, but I just wanted to quickly react to what Dan said. Sure. And I think it like really nicely encapsulates um, a kind of fundamental ethos, the generation as well, which is that when you're thinking about sustainability, you have to think both about what a company does. So like, what the products and services that they are providing out there and is that truly providing a kind of net benefit to society and to the environment. But you also have to take a really deep look at how a company operates and the mission needs to be authentic and every member of the team right down into the organization truly needs to be there for the mission alone. And I think if you get that right and you invest in companies which have sustainability deeply ingrained in their DNA, the kind of competition versus cooperation thing disintegrates because we're all here on a collective mission, which is we need to help improve the economy in a really fundamental way. And it's really difficult to do and we're early days and it's really urgent. And so... It's not a case where we're having to kind of engineer situations in which our portfolio companies are really cooperating with one another because they're all here trying to do the same thing. And so it's much more natural than that. And frankly, we have a fairly easy job because the kind of connections are easy to make, whether it's to shippers who are deeply committed to sustainability and want service providers here today that can help them or it's other portfolio companies that are looking to integrate sustainability into their organization 
and are looking to learn from one another at different points of the kind of growth curve. Um, so sorry, it's a bit of a cop out to your question, but Dan's articulation was like the best version <laughs> of what we see. That's great. Um, I'll go back to something that I alluded to a second ago about patience. Um, you know, when I, for us, even here at Freight Waves, our journey probably doesn't look that different than most, right? Like understanding the gravity of the situation, thinking about how you can contribute and be part of the solution community, as I like to think of it, um, reflecting on, you know, where, where can we be most helpful? Um, and then really just trying. I think, Dan, you kind of instilled that in us a little bit where just, just start, right? You just start. Um, and it does feel scary because you know, there's a lot to learn and it feels like the fire hose, right? Um, and there's some patience that needs to happen, right? You know, Dan, you talked a little bit about potentially being early ahead of the demand for um, sustainable solutions. Um, so in the spirit of being patient, what do we have to look forward to in five to 10 years from now? I know it's, you know, not to have to pick winners or losers, but it, maybe if there's something that you feel really excited about, um, either in your own portfolio or company or just out um, in the environment? So one, one thing we often say, it sounds like I'm just saying a lot of phrases, but one thing that we often say at Generation is a kind of fairly often thrown about phrase in economics, which is um, things take longer to happen than you, than you think that they will, and then they happen faster than you thought that they could. And we have constantly been saying that around sustainability topics. So we've obviously been at this for 20 years. I've been at it for 10 years, half the time of generation. I already feel kind of long in the tooth. Um, and we have been witnessing the kind of crescendoing moment. And I do think that when it happens, it will happen very quickly and it will be dramatic. And so I would say... The patience needs to wait for the moment, the hockey stick moment, but the hockey stick moment will come and it will take everyone by surprise. Um, in terms of what we were kind of, we need to look forward to, obviously we spend a lot of time thinking about future technologies within the transportation space. And it's kind of an obvious point to say that ultimately the industry needs to wean off fossil fuels, obviously. <laughs> and that's, going to be hardest to do when you're transporting really heavy things over very long distances and much easier to do now when you're transporting lighter things over shorter distances. Um, but the one kind of point of urgency, I would say, is that we actually have a lot of technologies at our disposal right now to make material steps along that journey towards decarbonization. So we don't have to wait for a magical technology in the future to come about that will fundamentally decarbonize in a really easy way the transportation industry. I think waiting for that is probably inappropriate. And actually, there's plenty of things that we could be doing in the intervening time, i.e. tomorrow, that will help incrementally improve the efficiency and drive out waste in the kind of ecosystem. And Convoy is a great example of that. There's others um, but that would be my one point of uh, kind of emphasis. And I'm sure Dan has other things to say. As well. no, no, I completely agree with what Joy's saying. I mean, in the long run, 
if all the trucks are running, you know, if all the trucks are electric or using hydrogen and we're able to make that work, that'll be an incredible like carbon reduction right off the bat if we're able to, especially with the sustainable energy sources um, growing at the same time. But that's a ways off. And so I do think, you know, right now we're focused on how can I take a system that is predominantly burning fossil fuels and reduce the amount of energy that goes into moving something. And that has to do with the empty miles and the waiting times, et cetera. And I think the thing I get the most excited about is data. And I know we've people have been talking about data and big data and all sorts of data for, for years. Um, but that is really making an impact right now in the transportation industry and in trucking in particular. Look at companies like Convoy, where every driver is using an app on their phone from Convoy and also, you know, and we're giving us a ton of data. We're getting a ton of pricing information, you know, rate information, location information, routing information, facility experience for the driver, how long they wait on average, what appointment times are optimal, how to create batches and round trips, just all this information that's making us smarter and smarter about reducing empty miles. Others like Project 44 that Joy mentioned, many other companies are becoming these data aggregators and brokers and creating visibility into this industry. And if you look at the five to 10 year horizon, the thing that is going to change, and obviously Freightways, like one of the biggest data providers now as well. And one thing that's going to uh, allow for significant efficiency gains is not only high quality data generated by companies that really understand how to do that, flowing into these algorithms that are making optimization decisions. That's necessary and that's happening. It's also that when you get really high quality, reliable, broad data, you can tell stories and you can show that data to the participants in the industry and influence their decisions and their behavior and prove to them there are cost savings, prove to them that there are efficiency savings and get them excited about having something to go back and show to their leadership and you know the sustainability groups they're part of, and that is, I think, the moment for a kind of hockey stick data generation in the trucking industry is right now. And you're seeing a few companies that are just getting incredible data. I mean, across every node in the network for heavy trucking, and I think that's going to make a huge impact. And it can be as simple as, you know, just as simple as a truck's run, you know, picking up, driving uh, 500 miles away. And it could drop off at eight in the morning. And if it drops off at eight in the morning, there's a load it can pick up at 930 nearby, 10 miles away and run back. Perfect round trip load. But without knowing having all that data in one place and knowing how long it takes to unload at that facility, it's hard to know if that's going to be possible or not. And maybe when the appointment was set a week before, the technology set in that appointment or how that appointment was set didn't have the visibility to know that, that usually there's a job coming back at 930. And that the driver could get loaded fast enough to get that. So they wouldn't have booked the appointment then. They would have booked the appointment at noon or two in the afternoon, not really thinking about that round trip. But because you knew it's coming, you can see that usually happens. You have a model and you get that appointment at eight o'clock, the driver's empty and they get that round trip. It's a basic example, but that's the kind of stuff that's happening more and more using data versus just someone trying to remember. And in technology, data, computation is going to make a huge impact right now. That's great. Um, I want to thank you both for joining us today. This has been awesome. I've learned a lot. I'm sure the people here at the summit have learned a lot. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for those who have joined us here at the Net Zero Carbon Summit. And we have a full day packed of a lot of information. And Dan and Joy, we hope that you can uh, join us again.